Marina Scorciani. I'm at Lottie's, and you're listening to Meet Us at Molly's, and I'm excited about today's show because it's going to rock. going to be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's going to be a hell of a ride. Hey, Shyherds, welcome to a special episode of Meet Us at Molly's. We have something awesome in store for you guys today. So as always, I'm one of your hosts. My name's Gina. I'm joined by Bryna. Hello, everybody. And we are joined by probably our first friend of the pod, I would say. Um, yeah. Chicago Fire co-creator, executive producer, Twitter troll supreme, but we would not have it any other way, Mr. Derek Haas. Derek, how are you? I'm doing great. I don't, I disagree with uh, that uh, troll comment. I am uh, a, you know, I... Enjoy watching the fans get excited and add to their suspense. That's how I would characterize it. But you also <laughs> enjoy steering us in other directions than the direction. I don't know that what you're talking about. Going I in. don't know what you're. I only <laughs> talk honestly and openly about all the storylines. <laughs> the storylines ever, yes. So then, with that said, tell us everything about the two-hour finale. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, so yeah, so this all this is before it airs, right? You're gonna play this right away. Um, so the main things that are going on, of course, are Renee has come back into Severide's life and um, played by Sarah Shahi. We were very lucky to get her for the last three episodes. I was so excited when we brought her back because. If you remember in season one, Renee was actually a, a pretty good love interest for Severide. And then when it turned out that Sarah was going to be on another show, we could only get her for one episode back. And we concocted this storyline where she came back and, um, you know, said she was pregnant with Severide's baby. And then it turned out that uh, Severide, you know, Shay did the math and Severide was uh, – <laughs> was not the father. Yeah, and are we sure I think about all of the pretty fa- good comment? Pretty good one. Yeah. yeah, I don't know about I didn't love that storyline to be honest with you. It was mm-hmm. it almost happened it, it happened after we found out we couldn't get her back for a longer arc. And so I was always not I wasn't jazzed with the way she went out. And so I was very I was excited to get her back. I thought we should try to redeem her a little bit because before that end of the storyline, she had been a kind of a force for Severide in that she was smart. She was um, kind and generous with him and was really the first real love interest Severide had. Anyway, um, that said, I also knew what the fan response was going to be when she showed (laughs) back up, which was going to be, oh yeah, we remember the crap you pulled. Um, so anyway, that was the thoughts going in and you'll just have to see how it plays out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're excited um, and, and nervous. We, we know how yep, you like so to uh, leave us hanging. <laughs> that's number one. Number two is uh, obviously there's going to be a new commissioner, fire commissioner going to be named by the mayor. 
Uh, and two of the leading candidates are our beloved Bowdoin and Chief Grissom, um, who has rubbed some people the wrong way. <laughs> and so that storyline is going to play out in the two-hour finale. And then third is going to be Casey and Dawson, who have decided they're going to try again. And that storyline is going to play out. So those are our big three. And, of course, it wouldn't be Chicago Fire if we didn't throw in a couple of haymaking haymakers. That's what we call big right hooks, uh, surprises that will be thrown your way. Oh, oh boy. I know. Oh, boy. <laughs> I know, I know. So you've also got a new book out. That was, what, last week, two weeks ago that the new book came out? Yeah, the new book came out a couple of weeks ago. Very excited. And the New York Times reviewed it this Sunday. It was in the New York Times book review. So that always is helpful. And um, I hope everyone likes it. It's been, people have been receiving it well. Um, you never know when you're a writer, you just put it out there and you hope people like it and people have been liking it. Yeah, interesting. So, I mean, and with that said, you've written TV, you've written movies, you've written books, you've kind of written everything short of Broadway plays, unless you've written one that we don't know about. Um, <laughs> I haven't. Yeah, but which, which one do you think is the hardest to write and why? Ooh, um, I like them all. I don't know that one's particularly harder than the other, but I can tell you what I like about the different ones and why they're different from each other. With a, with a book, you don't have a budget, you don't have set pieces, you don't have, um, you know, uh, the network saying we should try this. You don't have um, producers saying uh, he'd be more likable if he owned a dog, those kind of things. You get to, you own the copyright, so you get to do whatever you want, and that is fulfilling and rewarding. But it's also scary because it's only you being judged when somebody reads it. Um, TV is a blast because it's so fast. I mean, we do – 23 episodes this year every nine days we're shooting a new episode you get to hang out with cast and crew for a long time so you really do get to love these guys um like like i mean we always say it's like a family it really does feel that way you have your ups and downs of course with everyone but you know now it's been six years i've spent with these people longer than my friends from college i've now spent with this cast and crew um, but the pace of it being so fast as a writer is both hard but also awesome because I could write a scene on a Wednesday that we shoot on a Thursday that is on the air the next Thursday, um, and you just don't do that in movies. Movies are a blast because it's more like you joined a circus and <laughs> you just have four months. you got to get along with everyone and try to get every day, you know, is a new page that you're shooting and crossing off from the script and then – Weirdly, in movies, everyone goes away for almost six or eight months while they're doing post-production, and then you have this premiere, and it's like a high school reunion. It's all the friends you made over the summer you're seeing again the next summer, and so it ends up being a great party. But then it's done. It has its weekend, and it's over. And, you know, if, you, if your movie is well-received, you might get six weeks or something out of your movie coming out. But for a TV show, the relationship both with your audience and with your cast and crew is so much longer. So um, that's not answering your question. I'd rather, yeah, those are, that's what I like about everything. I don't know which one's more difficult from a writing standpoint. I would imagine it would be probably more 
more of a process to write a movie since you're breaking story over such a longer amount of time. I don't know. Yeah, it can be because you, what ends up happening in movies is you have a lot of cooks in the kitchen, not just um, the actors and the director, but also producers and studio. And you're right. You have a lot of time in prep. Sometimes you can do five or six months of prep before you start the episode. And, and when you're, I mean, start the movie and when you're, Doing prep, that's just more time that people can mess with the script, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so you're just fighting off, you know, as much as you can, changes to the script. The other thing that happens with movies is people forget what they liked the first time they read it. So let's say we set a scene and it's a, I don't know, a car chase down the, you know, the bridge in Florida between Florida mainland and Key West. And you've written this scene, and when they read it, they loved it. And then eight months later, when you start prep, they're like, ah, you know, I feel like that scene's kind of boring. And it's like, no, remember what it was like the first time you read it? That's what the audience is going to feel. But that's what you have to fight. Hmm. Interesting. Very cool. Yeah. How are you guys? Tell me about yourselves. What made you want to start this podcast? (laughs) How did this even originate? So I know Brian and I met through Twitter, just through the shows and everything. Um, and yeah. yeah. And so we always like to talk about the shows after they air for, you know, PD fire and med. <laughs> we like to throw theories right. around. We have a lot of fun with that. Um, and we realized that there was no place to do that. So we were just kind of like, well, we need a place to talk about it. And I remember Ashley who she's not able to join us tonight, but Ashley had reached out to AfterBuzz yeah. in like season four, I think. And they were like, there's not enough of a market. And we were like, are you crazy? <laughs> <laughs> we just decided to do it ourselves. That's about right. Brian, right? I love it. Yeah. No. And you had texted me. I remember I was on vacation in Miami and you had texted me and you're like, I have this crazy idea. And I was like, okay. And you were like, I think we should do a podcast. And I was like, okay and then like the more I thought about it I was like you know that sounds fun like sure why not and then like like three weeks later we launched and it's been a blast the season's been so much fun doing this it's been so much fun. it's funny because I because I listen to you guys on the fire when particularly I'm listening you know and I have to measure it that it's you know it's your two opinions and there's a whole other viewership (laughs) but of course I'm always you know I'm paying attention but what I love is when you guys start theorizing and then you get an idea in your head of what's going to happen. I already know what's going to happen. So I'm laughing either if it's <laughs> accurate or it's not. But then I think it's always funny. And you, you know that the viewers are doing this too. If you don't meet the expectations of what they had in their heads or specifically you two, if I don't meet what's in your head, at least I have to shock you or surprise you, or you're also going to be like, well, he didn't do what I thought he was going to do. So. Well, and, we know uh, that so sometimes. Always... Like, so, yeah, sometimes we'll throw theories out there and we'll be like, oh, man, Derek's going to hear this and be like, that's ridiculous. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we keep that in mind sometimes. <laughs> yeah, 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 we definitely do. It yeah. cracks me up. What I also like is that you guys know I'm paying attention, and yet you don't hold back. You're like, uh-uh, did not work for me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That storyline, let's get rid of Hope, get her out of there, not liking her. And I'm always just laughing. I mean, we'll talk about Hope. We've got questions about Hope. Yeah. Yeah. She was. I'm happy to answer. Yeah. She was awesome, I agree. She was awesome, okay. Uh, (laughs) 
Yeah. Oh, I've got one about hope. If I can throw one in here, Brian, I know it's not yeah. in the uh, order of our notes, but go ahead. I have. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. So one of ours about hope since, you know, you brought it up. So we'll just go down that road. Let's um, do it. It was early in the season. Of course, Severide was like, oh, hey, look, it's a single girl. I think I'll sleep with her. Did Anna not mean anything to that man? Well, that's a great question. And I think what we what we talked about in the writer's room beforehand was that there are people who would, you know, confront their problems with drugs. There are people who confront their problems with alcohol, which Severide has not been immune to. Um, but also there's people who just want to take their feelings away. Um, and so they don't want to concentrate on any particular person. And the reason they do that is that it's a, it can be a sea of people that they're just going through emotionally where they don't have to engage because that numbs them to what they felt before. And so the thought there was that was Severide. I mean, it's even alluded to before Hope shows up. Brett says to her, um, you know, if you have your eyes on him, forget it. He's already been comforted by half of Chicago. Um, so you get over the four months that we were off, you kind of get what Severide was doing. That's a good point. See, this is why we like to ask you about these things, because you know how their heads work. We can only theorize. Yeah, I try. I try. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, and going off of hope, I mean, since we're already here, I know you said on Twitter today you're throwing out, like, your favorite guest characters or whatever. Yeah. You said she was one of your favorites. I'm just curious. What do you like? What did you like about hope so much? Oh, I was totally trolling. That was just. That's what I figured. Uh, but... <laughs> no, I, I did love um, Eloise and the way she played her. And I did love writing that character because it was fun. We, we try to throw in a few, um, you know, for lack of a better word, we call them shit stirrers who <laughs> just come in and stir up the pot. Um, and, you know, devious characters are fun to write. Um, so she served her purpose and yeah. gave us that great finale. And I knew we knew where we were going with the six episodes and that she was going to try to get Stella bounced because um, she she perceived Stella as her first threat to the time she was going to have um, in Chicago and Connie was going to be second. And so she was already angling. If you remember, there's this little scene where Bowden asks for a file and Connie's like, I thought it was right here. And then, you know, Hope shows in, walks in, is this what you were looking for? And we were just trying to show that it wasn't just Stella. She was going to, she was going to get rid of anyone who was going to stand in her way but then uh, Casey and uh, and Herman put two and two together and marched her out of there. Yeah, she had some issues. Yeah, she had some issues. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if we go back to the beginning of season six, because I mean we're just gonna we're just gonna cover the whole season tonight. Yeah, let's go. So many questions. Okay. So if we go back to the beginning of season six, nobody died. Not that we're complaining, because like you know we're not gonna complain yeah. about that. But yeah. Everyone came back to work, even Mouch, who had been planning to retire at the end of season five. Now, you told us back in the Twitter, Twitter Q&A back in November about what led to the decision. But did you guys play around with any other scenarios where things ended differently? Um, we always throw everything is fair game at the beginning of the writer's room when we get back together the first week of June. Um, and even if I had a preconceived notion of what we were going to do, I throw it out to everyone. And it's basically like, what, what is the craziest idea you have? What is the wackiest? What is the safe bet? What is the, 
you know, cool play. And then we just start to fill in the boxes in the writer's room. So I don't remember exactly what was discussed in that first week um, back. And I do remember we ended the season kind of having a notion um, because we'd been working closely with Chief Chikorotis, who's our technical advisor on Chicago Fire. And my scenario I threw out to him before the finale was even written was what is the craziest situation we could put a firefighter into that would almost be a sure death. And then what's the most innovative way to get them out of it, um, whether it's painful or not. And he said, if we trap them in a fire, then they, the reason we don't um, open up the water when search and rescue is in there uh, is because the steam will kill them. Um, steam, you know, can penetrate anything. And so, you know, it gets into the small places, but any little gap in your, in your um, firefighting turnout coat, it's going to find and, and boil you alive. And so then I was like, well, what would you do if that situation was happening? He said, I'd, I'd find anything I could to put over me and, um, and hope that I don't burn alive, you know, or cook alive and hope that it passes. And so that's why we wrote that scene the way we wrote it. Interesting. That's so interesting. Yeah. 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 That's cool. That must be really nice to have somebody you can just be like, so what's the craziest way this could happen? This, I, I, this show would not be what it is 100% without Steve Chikorotis and Michelle Martinez, our paramedic. Um, they, we go to them constantly with, okay, you know, we'll go to them with just tell us stories from your life or your, of the calls that you've been on or anything else. But then we also call them with specific things where I'll say, you know what, I need to have Severide and Casey in a situation where they're going to be trapped together. Um, what can you give me? Or I need a situation where we would get paramedics inside of the building that's on fire. How would we do that? And he can always come up with um, great, novel, interesting ideas and he is such a resource um big shout out to chief chick who we put on the show he's always on i don't know if you notice or know which one he is but he's always on the show i feel like you pointed it out yeah i feel like you've pointed it out before but it's not i don't it's not really fresh in my mind has he been on this season yeah he's been on a bunch he plays chief walker you'll see him he kind of you know i think he's been in a few of those uh grissom scenes uh but the one you'll notice him in the finale uh, Bowden says something about um, running for commissioner and Chick Rivers is the one who tells him good like I'm glad you're running for it um, you'll see him good to know good yep to know. Um, and then if we're going back to like early season six I mean something I've been thinking about now especially with the Bowden storyline and Bowden kind of running for commissioner and I think it applies to both like when Casey was promoted earlier this season is how do you move a deserving main character forward in his career when you also have to keep him around the firehouse because he is a main character? And I'm just curious, what is that conversation like in the writer's room? Well, as writers, you love puzzles. You love challenges. You love when, you know, something will always happen on production where they'll say, oh, the church we were going to set this scene in is now no longer available. What can we do? And if you're a TV writer, you have to be what we call light on your feet, which is anything might move at any moment. You know, I'd love to say we've written 22 episodes before we start shooting, but it's just not the way we work. And, um, you know, things happen. And especially in Chicago where the weather can be crazy, um, 
the scenes might shift or change. So I think we come at it the same way when we did, like when we made Casey and Alderman. And I didn't want to write a show about politics. I never wanted to write a show about Chicago politics. And I think we used it fairly, but, you know, worked our way back out of it. Um, and, but you look at it as a puzzle piece. Now we've added to it. Okay, how can we use this effectively and still make it about firefighting? Oh, he'll be, you know, he'll be trying to make laws that'll help firefighters. Oh, but somebody else will say that he's double dealing when he's doing that. Um, those are the kind of puzzles that you have. So, you know, with Bowden as commissioner, if that's where we're going, that's something we'll talk about in June. How does he stay relevant to the show? How does um, he stay in every episode? You know, all of those kind of things. Same with like when Herman made Lieutenant um, and then we pulled back and just invented a reason why, you know, he had pissed off a certain chief uh, who was never going to let him be promoted. Uh, and that kept him on truck, which is, but we're always looking at like, you know, what if Herman went to engine and then we bring in three engine firefighters who you've never met, who, who have been around 51 the whole time. You just didn't know they were there. Um, and is that a way to get more story and more characters? And these are the kind of fair game questions you ask in the writer's room. Interesting. And I mean, I know you said, or not you, but Severide said this season that, you know, he's fine with his place as a lieutenant, but do you ever think he might get the urge to move up? Maybe get the itch a little bit? Yeah. 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 Maybe. I mean, especially I think our guys come from a place of where can I do the most good for not only my friends, but my firehouse and then for the CFD and probably in that order. And so I think it was Casey's time and he thought, you know, as a captain, I could still be on truck and I can still, you know, ride shifts with my guys and um, take on that additional responsibility. So if there's a scenario where Severide moving up or moving over to Office of Fire Investigation or, you know, moving up as a chief or any of those kind of things, if he feels like that's where he could do the most good for those around him, then I think he would take that opportunity. Yeah. And then kind of shifting a little bit. So one of the things I think we talk about a lot and we get a lot of feedback on is Bretonio. Um, yeah. And obviously they've had some big moments this season and Antonio in general is, was much more of a presence on fire this season. And I'm just curious what in like for you has the reaction to Bretonio been like, and was it, I mean, was it really ever supposed to be this long of a thing that was like still being explored almost two seasons later? No, uh, it definitely wasn't. It was a thing where we said, let's give Brad a real romance. And then we kind of looked at our board and said, well, who's it going to be? And either other characters were in relationships or, you know, we, Ruzek was pining after Bur Burgess or whatever at the time. I don't, I don't remember where it all lined up. But, you know, we were just looking over likely candidates and somebody said, what if it's Gabby's brother? And then I just started thinking, oh, okay, that has a lot of ramifications because Gabby's married to Casey or is, you know, engaged or whatever it was at the time. And so then you, that affects Gabby, that affects Casey. She's writing with Brett. That could be fun. You know, that's where it all starts with. How much story could we get out of this? This seems cool. And then you see the two together and they just, you know, naturally had awesome chemistry to both awesome actors. Mm -hmm. um, so we liked it and started writing more to it. And then what always happens on these inter 
um, show romances is the scheduling is hard. Um, right. And I hey, I know the fans hate to hear that because it's they love them together or whatever. But when Antonio's got when John Seda has a seven day schedule on Chicago PD, which is shooting the exact same times we are, and then we have to try to figure out how we're going to fit in scenes on fire. It becomes difficult. It's like um, it's like puzzle pieces. You're just trying to fit together on a giant board, and it's hard on the first ADs. It's hard on the crew. It's it's hard on locations because we you know we have to pick the locations they're going to be. Let's just say if I write a scene outside Molly's, well that's a whole street we have to lock down. Um, we have to you know we can only shoot at night. The neighborhood neighbors are mad. All of that kind of stuff. So. It, all of these issues come into play as you're writing out the characters. But I did like the reaction. I liked my own reaction that I had to the two of them. And it gives us a different flavor because if you're just going to do volatile relationship, that's one thing. If you're just going to do loving relationship, that's another thing. You have other couples that occupy some of those spaces. So we thought true to life because we've all had friends like this. They're, they're the on-again, off-again couple. And when they're on, it burns hot. And when they're off, you can't believe these two are right for each other. What are they thinking? And um, I think it's real. And so we just made that production problems work for us and just said, all right, we're going to write them this way, at least for a while, and who knows what will happen in the future. And so, I mean, the last thing we saw with Bretonio was the big pregnancy scare during the last two-hour event that we're still not emotionally over. But, uh, yeah, we saw the pregnancy scare. We saw Antonio telling Brett that he was set up on a blind date. Thank you, Atwater. Um, And Brett deciding that she wasn't going to Antonio or that she was, you know, she wanted to be with Antonio. But we haven't seen anything since. So does she still have feelings for him or has she completely dropped him like a hot cake? Well, what we were thinking was we're watching Brett have this entire journey, emotional journey that Antonio is oblivious to, which is the pregnancy scare. Mm-hmm. He, he has no idea. Last he heard, they, she told him, you know, we're not right for each other. Uh, we got to take a break. Um, uh, she walked out the door when, um, you know, when Antonio was, making her risotto, I think it was. Uh, And then, you know, they got together in the heat of the moment because of the bomber thing. She has this, and she has this pregnancy scare that he's oblivious to. And then he tells her, hey, by the way, I'm going to be set up on a blind date. And I think in that moment, it was kind of like, oh, okay. I had this entire life planned out in my head of what would happen if I was pregnant. And then I realized you're not even thinking those thoughts. And so, you know, it cooled off again. That's, that's how I'll put it for now, but I wouldn't be surprised if I I don't think those two can keep their hands off each other when they see each other. So we'll see what happens next year. (laughs) But speaking of Brett's, I mean, love life, we've seen this like reemergence of the cruise and Brett thing. And obviously it started out one-sided just on cruise side, but obviously can definitely be interpreted that in these last few episodes, Brett was jealous over his 
fang fling whatever you want to call it with delia so i'm just curious like two questions one what made you go back and like decide to go back and explore this pairing that we hadn't seen in a couple of seasons and then two is this something that we're gonna see some sort of resolution to in the finale like how is it gonna play out if you can tease anything about it in the finale yeah that storyline is definitely coming in the finale so you will that will play out uh get ready for it i'm not gonna give anything away um that (laughs) If you notice this season, if you watch closely, the crew's feelings for Brett are going almost the entire season. Um, so it's there from when she first puts on the welding gear with the slam again. He mm-hmm. starts thinking about it again, and even a little bit before that. Um, and so then I think it wasn't – so I don't know what that effect would have on someone. And also – and Cruz is an awesome guy, and – and the, when you put that with the hot feelings she had with Antonio that got uh, burned hot and then burned out, and then you look at Cruz, who's this pretty stable, good roommate, good friend, good guy, and then we pitched, uh, I think Andrea Newman had this pitch, which was why don't we do a Casablanca, uh, Ilsa kind of thing with um, the old girlfriend showing up in Cruz's life and have Brett sort of play off of that. And we didn't make it romantic purposefully, but I, I even wrote into the script um, on that Delia thing after she gives that speech, uh, after Cruz asks her about the good angel, bad angel, bad devil on his shoulder, and that speech, I think I wrote in the script, um, like, like in the musical Beauty and the Beast, uh, is there something there that wasn't there before? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Brett and Cruz. Uh, anyway, that's my tease for what's coming. So I don't think it was um, – I think it's been there all season, definitely from the Cruz standpoint. And then we'll see where it plays. Yeah, I don't think Cruz ever stopped loving her. I think from the, even when they broke up, he was still in love with her. And she's awesome, so why wouldn't he be? Of course, of true. course. True. Yeah, that's true, that's true. And, I mean, also, if we shift back to Severide for a minute, we're very protective of Severide on this podcast, if you could not tell. <laughs> um, yeah. But romance-wise, I mean, he's been through a really interesting arc this season. So he was back to his Playboy ways, and now he's in the committed relationship with Stella. But a lot of fans, including ourselves, were really worried in the beginning that, you know, the slow burn – was just kind of kind of drag on forever and be forgotten. (laughs) It was amazing. So what finally made this the right time to have Stella ride rise? Um, You you look over the season and you look at key moments throughout the year of where you want to put um, certain beats. And so we'd been driving, we've been thinking about it all year long. We've been thinking about it really since they broke up um, at the very beginning of last season uh and the more scenes we had with them together making them roommates earlier in the year making her come out you know for coffee uh and seeing him there with the shirt off and we just thought okay this is something slow burns the perfect word we can slow burn it out and then let's pick an episode that we're going to drive towards and and give the audience i think what they've been hoping for um you know and make them want it. If, if they're, if they've been on the fence, um, then we'll make them want it, um, by making it really romantic. And I don't know, I don't know what to tell you. That's what our idea was. And then of course, again, we wouldn't be Chicago fire, uh, if 
we didn't throw wrenches at it. So just when you think it's going to be all sunshine and roses, um, Renee shows It's up. not. Yeah, Renee well, shows I, up. We just want Kelly to be happy, even if it's for like a five-minute stretch. That's all we want. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's been pretty happy the last few episodes, I will say. Yeah. Since when has back not, in his life. Yeah, yeah. When Grissom's not driving my, him crazy. Well, yeah, when Grissom's not driving him crazy or there's some other event event in his life. But with, with Stella, what I love about her character, and we somebody pointed it out to me, and then we started writing for it, is she's confident. And, and in a, firefighting, so many firefighters are, are supremely humble. Uh, if you hang out at a firehouse, there's just a humility that oozes off of them. Uh, they don't consider themselves heroes. They're just doing their job, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And what I love about Stella is that she kind of toots her own horn. Um, she'll tell you that she's the best cook in the kitchen or the best driver of the truck or whatever. And I just love that she had this moment of self-doubt about Severide, you know, this great thing that's finally happening in her life. And she decides she's going to move into um, – apartment above Herman's garage and then but that entire thing was written knowing we were going to have Severite show up at the apartment saying I don't care where you live I just want to be with you um I love reading those romance scenes I'm a total sucker for those (laughs) we are too so that's good (laughs) Yeah. yeah and then also speaking of Severide when we're talking about like Severide not being happy for so long. I mean, we met Mama Severide this season, and that kind of threw a wrench in his life a little bit. And I'm just curious, what was it like finally getting to explore that side of Severide's backstory? Like, is this something you've been wanting to do for a while, and it just finally worked out with season six? Like, what was it like getting to explore that? Yeah, I definitely have been wanting to do um, Severide's mom for a couple of seasons. And I don't remember what storylines we had going on, probably the Anna storyline sort of felt like that was enough. We didn't need um, to throw that on top of it. Um, So we're just looking for a soft place in the schedule where we could add something in. And and it felt interesting that he had just gotten together with kid and then mom shows up and says, moving in at least for a couple months and what that would do to the relationship. And especially the way Severo would play it tort to his mom who he thinks is a saint and, you know, has to walk on a little bit of eggshells around and having Stella as a roommate. And, you know, it just made for good drama. And I love that we cast Kim Delaney and she was a delight and we'll definitely have her back. And I would love to see more of Mama Severide. I think we just really just took the iceberg um, on that one. So hopefully next year we'll see some more of her. Awesome. And can you clarify if she and Benny have been in touch all these years? Because if not, I mean, that must have been one hell of a conversation to lead where that led. <laughs> I don't think they'd been in touch for many, many years. I think it was, I'm going to I'm gonna go there, I'm going to show him that he didn't break me, and then Benny put the old charm on her. And, uh, yeah, it, it showed that um, Mama Severide wasn't as tough and resilient as she was pretending to be. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, that's one hell of a conversation. Jeez. And Kelly's dead, too. Yeah, like... (laughs) The funny thing is, I didn't really think about that until you guys mentioned it. I was like, oh, yeah, that's kind of gross. 
<laughs> that was like the first thing we were texting about. We were like, oh, geez, like of all places, like, come on. I know. I, w- I honestly wasn't even thinking about it. And then I was listening to y'all's podcast and I was like, oh, that's funny. <laughs> we look out for we look out I, think for Kelly. G- I think it was gina i can't remember which yeah it's definitely gina <laughs> that's the kind of thing i catch yeah yeah, yeah um and then in like especially in recent episodes i mean obviously one of the biggest storylines of this entire season was otis's injury and off yes. again off of the two-hour movie that we're still not over um and then cordova yeah. coming in and, like, towards the end, you know, we saw Otis kind of before he comes back. Otis gives Cordova his blessing, but then Cordova all of a sudden decides, like, he doesn't really fit in and won't be seeking this permanent assignment th- assignment there. So was there really – was there ever a conversation in the writer's room about making Cordova a permanent part of 51, or was it just kind of logistics that didn't allow that to happen? Like, what was that conversation like? That was one where we knew what the storyline was before we cast him. Okay. And then – so then your cat, you know, it's a four episode arc is what we always describe. It might've been five. I think it was four. Um, and, or, or the arc started and then he came in the next one. So he was, right. we knew we were casting someone for four episodes. And then when Damon showed up and I just really dug him and dug what he brought. I dug his look. I dug his acting and his attitude. Uh, he fit right in. So there's a part of me that, you know, he did his four episodes and he's done for now, but let's, I never want to hold an actor up when they have pilot season and they might get their own show and all of that kind of stuff. But if the stars can line up for us next year, he would definitely be uh, a character I would bring back. I will say it was always going to be where Otis was going to, we were going to do a longer rehab because I never like it when we do the thing where there's just miracle, you know, surgery that, um you know they're back to work the next week and so i thought it would be more interesting to see what the real rehab process was like and dick wolf himself had gone through a knee surgery last year and the way he was describing rehab made me think this could be an interesting storyline and so we just wrote this whole thing off of that what would it be like for otis to have to go through rehab and his spot be in jeopardy and then the idea that an old flame of Dawson shows up to take place and they keep it secret or he tries to keep it secret. And the reason he checks out isn't because of Otis. He checks out because of the feelings he realizes he still has for Gabby and knows that's a unwinnable, untenable position. So he, he checks himself out. Yeah. No, I actually really, I liked, I'm like you, I really liked him or I liked him more, I think, than most of the fandom did. So I would definitely not be <laughs> unhappy if he came back. I, I really like that character. Surprisingly, well, I didn't think I would. The but... pa- yeah, the power of the pen is interesting because, and I've learned this in television, is you can turn someone against, you know, an actor or not an actor, but a character, or you can try to turn them uh, um, may, may compel them to, to like them. But it's harder. That's a lot harder because we started off on Chicago PD in season two, I think it was. We had Roman um, join Chicago PD and um, Roman, the whole idea was that he's going to come in. There's going to be a chip on his shoulder. There's going to be, I think he mixes it up with um, Linsky right from the start, he, right. he knows him from somewhere, and he's kind of a jerk. 
And then, but our whole idea was then, then as Burgess gets to know him better and we realize he's a good cop and he'll lay his life on the line and all of those kind of things, you'll end up loving him. But you know what? It took a lot longer for people to warm up to him after we had painted him in such a bad spot. I, I, I really learned my lesson. And when, so when we introduced Stella to the firehouse, instead of doing the kind of thing where she comes in and she's blowing things up because she's a new female firefighter and she's going to mix it up. The very first thing we know of her is Dawson tells the group she's awesome. And if you have one of your lead characters tell the audience, hey, by the way, the person who's about to show up is great, then you end up liking them. Huh. That's so funny that you bring that up about Roman. Cause I specifically remember like years ago you did a Q&A and I threw that question in there. It was right after Burgess got shot. And I was like, why yeah. is Roman such a jerk? And I never warmed <laughs> up to him. I tried, but I never warmed up to him. So that's really funny that you say that. The episode where I really tried to write it where you would like him, um, which is funny because I just screened it for a college class at Stony Brook in New York, was that episode which is my favorite what do you do um that brant and i wrote for uh chicago pd which is um marina um burgess and roman are trapped in this warehouse with the smugglers for the whole episode and that's really roman's coming out party because he's um you know he takes a bullet he uh tries to save her and is you know uh, ultimately it's her strong episode but but he that was my one to win the audience over but then it didn't really work out it didn't i was just really happy that it shut him up for an hour i'm I'm terrible (laughs) (laughs) i tried i tried hilarious hilarious (laughs) so we've also been loving the emergence of cap and tony this season because some of the one-liners they've been coming out with have been amazing (laughs) and so do you think you think there might be some plans next season to give them a little more, maybe like maybe even just so small as like the chair storyline, but are you, are we thinking of maybe giving them more next season? They are awesome. Uh, They're hilarious. They're fun to write towards. And I I won't say no, but it's hard because you've got, you you know, we have a cast of 12 and, and you've got six or seven leads and the second that we write a Tony Cap storyline, you're going to be like, where was my Severide this episode or whatever? So I don't know. They, they do, they, they've definitely come on this year um, and they're fun to write for and towards, but, you know, I don't know that they're going to get a, get a big storyline. I won't throw it out. I won't throw it out. I won't throw the idea out. Brenna, what was your favorite Cap one-liner this season? He's had a bunch. Oh, my God. I don't even – he's had so many. We talk about it every episode. Every time there is a Cap one-liner, we – I die. (laughs) I love it. It, They're great. They're great. We got to meet them in Chicago at the con, and we love talking to them. They're great. They're awesome. I've known Randy since he was – I've known Randy since he was 19. What? Did you guys go to Baylor at the same time? Yeah. Yeah, Randy went to Baylor with me. Yeah. And he and Brant knew each other since they were in junior high. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, and he was the same guy then that he is now. I mean, he is hilarious. And um, so, yes, it's really fun to write to. Did, did the episode air where he says, I don't like books? Yes, that yeah, was last Or I don't like yeah. biographies? He yeah. says, I don't like bi- biographies. Because we, we had to, you know, you're always cutting lines for time, which always sucks. But that that scene was supposed to be, 
I don't like biographies. And then Tony says, what do you like? And he says, I don't like books. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun to write. Well, he had the moment with the chips last week that made us die. Like some, there was some big conversation going on and he's just sitting in the corner eating chips. Oh, that was funny. Yeah. That was funny. That was so funny. So funny. Um, And then just in terms of the finale, is the finale like a two-hour movie, or is it actually like two separate back-to-back episodes? It's it's both, because it's it's separate episodes that you could, you know, if we get lucky enough to syndicate or whatever, they'll split them up. But we knew going in it was going to be a two-hour. We... We knew even more than we knew when we were doing the last two-hour movie. We knew this one was going to be um, two hours on the same night. So it's it's written like it's one episode, but you could easily split it into two, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, okay. I was just curious because, like, obviously when the last two-hour movie, like, they aired straight into each other with, like, no commercials for however long that was. So I was just curious if this was kind of going to be the same way or if it was going to be, like, two separate distinct episodes. No, it'll be like that. It'll it, – you won't know when the when the one episode started and the next one ended. Yeah. Oh, geez. Interesting. Yeah, when we heard it was a two-hour finale, we're like, again? Like, we're still not over the first one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. It's coming. <laughs> it's coming. coming. That's funny. And so – on a more serious note, you know, earlier this year, of course, we unfortunately lost Dushan Brown. Um, and, yeah. you know, we wanted to see if you had a favorite memory of her that you might want to share. Oh, um, I don't know. There's a million. She was fantastic. She was so sweet and so generous and so different than Connie. And yet you can see Connie in there, you know, um, but she... I don't remember. I mean, I, I can't think of one other than I remember the first time she came to one Chicago day and it was, you know, it was the big press event we have in October almost every year. And I think it might've been the first year that we did it and she was coming on the red carpet and, you know, you always hug your actors and say hello and all of that. And she said, this is the first time I've been invited to, the press event it's the first time I felt like one of the cast and it really it made me stop for a second because I never considered her you know uh, not part of the cast if that makes sense I don't think about who gets invited to what and what the publicity kind of thing was but I love that we wrote her as a one or two episode person who comes in and says Bowden needs to see you in his office and instead it became this beloved character who you know people loved and love to see and I think that's the other one that the memory that's not of her but is of her is I was in a grocery store and I was wearing a Chicago Fire uh, sweatshirt that you know a wolf sweatshirt that probably had Chicago Fire on the sleeve and the cashier goes oh I love your show and I said oh thank you so much it is in Chicago and she said you know um Sean comes in here and shops here and she hasn't changed a bit and I was uh-huh. like oh that's perfect that's exactly that's exactly uh, how she is. Yeah, that's great. And so, I mean, are there, might there be any plans to kind of honor her in season seven? Yeah, I mean, if we get a season seven, I don't know that honor is the right word, but we'll definitely, we'll, I mean, we'll, we're going to talk about it this summer and we'll talk about it with Dick and Peter Jankowski who runs Dick's company and, and Andrea Newman and Gilberry and Michael O'Shea and mm-hmm. I'll, uh, I'll get together and say what's the best way 
to handle it without it being a you know disrespectful or you know what I what I will think about is what do I want Deshaun's daughter 25 years from now when she's showing or watching the seasons and I'm sure she will you know and and um and to think back on her mom and how we write out the character of Connie I want that to be something that she's proud of or not disappointed of or whatever but I also have to remember, and I, you know, I've said this on Twitter, and I want the audience to remember it too. That Connie is not Deshaun, so it's not. We're not. I don't think we're. I. I don't want to be. I don't know. Is the answer? I don't know mm-hmm. yet. Yeah. No. And speaking of kind of, I mean, we've talked a little bit about it earlier. You just like all the different callbacks. Like we've been loving all the different callbacks that, that kind <laughs> of popped up towards the end of the season. And I'm just curious, was that something that? like particular that led to that increase or just where they've been happening, happening naturally. I love them. It's I've always loved them. If you go back to season two or maybe the end of season one. Yeah. The end of season one, when Hallie dies, there's a, there's a memorial service at Molly's for Hallie. And there are actors in that scene that were the calls from over the course of the episode, of over the course of the season. So you saw the girl with the burns on her face that Jesse, that um, Casey took Mills to see when Mills was having that crisis of conscience about the job. Um, and you see like some other people that they saved. And it's just something I've always enjoyed doing. I like to reward the long time viewers and the careful viewers. Um, and I also like to answer questions that, have never been answered. Like, uh, did Severide, is Severide still married? <laughs> um, <laughs> so those are the kind of things that I think are fun and that the audience, we call them like lean forward moments. It's a time where you lean forward on your couch. Um, yeah. And the other one that I love from this year, and it's such a throwaway, but is when the ambulance is um, dirty and, uh, and Brett's like, they left it like this. And Dawson's like, who was it on last shift? Is <laughs> She says Rafferty and Chow. That was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we enjoyed that one. That was good. Yeah, some of them have been pretty subtle this year, but we've enjoyed being like, oh, nice one. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You got to gotta throw them out there. <laughs> so this season, looking back at it as a whole, do you have a favorite episode from the season or a particular storyline that stood out to you? The one that you guys keep citing that um, the second half of the two-hour movie. I wrote the first hour, which was the kind of the woman who had been assaulted um, and the pregnancy scare. But the second hour was the one where Otis gets shot and Stella, Stella and Otis get shot in the, the, the ammunitions in the closet and the burning. I just thought from the way it was written to the way um, it was performed and directed and, it was the best call I felt like we'd done in a long, long time and just a, an incredible episode. All the performances, it was just a killer. It really worked. So that's my favorite. Yeah, that was good. That was really good. And we had one. Oh, so back after the midseason finale, you were so nice to us and let us ask you five questions. And one of yeah. the things that we asked you was about the guy getting stuck in the barbed wire on the roof. So the most recent head-scratching case for us was the baby and the stroller on the bridge. And I'm sure when you listen, like, you hear us be like, how do these things 
happen? <laughs> like, yeah. how? And so it's one of my how, favorites. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of our favorite games. Um, how does that happen? And how does the stroller get so perfectly placed on the fence? Is it just like green screen magic or what? I mean, we're still confused yeah. about it. So it was not green screen. That was actually practically done. There was not an actual baby in the stroller. So all the close-ups of the baby moving were a real baby, but that was not um, that was not in a dangerous position. Uh, and then any of the wide shots were a fake dummy um, baby. The way the accident happened logically was that the um, gang members were escalating their bloody war um, because of the um, cash house right, money right. that had been taken. And so there was a gang shooting or something, but a car, which you see in that scene, hit the baby stroller and the baby stroller went flying. And luckily, just as luck would have it, attached to the chain link fence that had been rammed into by the car. And yeah, that's it. That's all I can tell you. Okay. So, so you guys do think these through because we have moments where we're like, how did that, what? We thought the mom was driving yeah. the car. We were now, like, put the babies in a stroller. <laughs> nine, nine out of 10, we've thought it through. And then maybe there's one that you guys always point out where I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> it just happens. Like, uh, I had seen the on. I had seen a clip from a newspaper in Japan of a woman whose leg was trapped in a revolving door, and I was oh, like, "Ooh, we got to do that." But then it didn't really, you know, that's almost impossible. So I don't know how it happened, but it happened, happened somewhere. Then, so it means it can happen in Chicago. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. If it happens somewhere, it can happen in Chicago. Oh, I've got a throwback one that I would love to throw at you. Maybe you'll remember this or not, but this has stumped me for yeah. seasons now. Okay, so right when Sylvie and Mills start working together, they get this call where this woman ended up flipping her car, but the car is, like, flush with the ground. There's, like, a ditch in the ground or something. There's, like, a long strip in the ground that makes this car, like, flipped over and, like, level with the ground. And I yeah. just remember seeing that, and I'm like, how the hell did that happen? Um. I, do, I honestly don't remember it. I feel like there was a ravine, and did it get hit? I don't. I, I don't. Remember. I don't think I even remember it. I you don't remember, remember it when I brought the it up. One, right the now. one this year that was that was not to me the the only one this year that I didn't love, and it wasn't the director's fault. Was in episode two we had a car wrecked over by the lake, and it was. Um, we had pictured it to be, if you've been in Chicago and you're mm -hmm. on, um, what's that one drive that goes right down by the lake? Uh, Lakeside. Lake <laughs> if you're on Lakeside Drive, um, there's these stone steps that um, are right, they go right up to the highway. And when I jog sometimes down there, you're jogging and you're one foot away from traffic, but there's a big fence that, uh, like a chain link fence that keeps you from the highway. And I always just thought it was interesting if a car flipped over off the highway and it was almost the lake. But then when we went to do the, when I, we went to do the production design on the episode, the spot they chose was not what I, where I thought it was going to be. And so then, you know, you have this car wrecked on the lake, but it's not close to anything. So it just didn't look as good um, as it should have. But that's, you know, that's, if that happens once a year, I'm happy. 
but do you just run around Chicago like thinking up disasters? You're like, this would be great if 100%. this horrible thing happened. Yes, yes, that's all I do. That's uh, I think about it constantly. It's <laughs> funny. funny. Or it's just like I'm sitting in the barber shop, and I I had not had somebody blade shave me in years. Oh my god! I mean, god. it's probably been 15 years. And then I'm sitting in the barbershop, and the guy's like, oh, you want to shave? And I was like, oh, I haven't done that in forever. Sure, why don't we do this? And so he's shaving me, and it's kind of like, and he's, it's like an old Russian guy, and he's using the blade. And I'm like, this is kind of dangerous, you know? This is, and I was like, oh, what's the fear everyone has that you get your ear cut off? That was gnarly, but that's oh where gosh. that came that from. That one was, like, the worst one for me. And I've seen – I mean, we always talk about it, especially with med, about how just some of the things I do on that show are just so gross that it's, like, hard to watch. And I, that was probably the worst of, like, <laughs> all of the shows for me this season. That was not fun to watch. There's a little cameo in that scene. Our main locations uh, guy, Kwame, uh, plays one of the barbers. And he's got the lines about, you mean you're going to put that ear back on that man's head? <laughs> oh There's, there were weird calls in that whole episode though that was the cement truck one too yeah yeah that was the cement truck yeah. one that was one I, I found um, I think in Germany um, where a cement truck had overturned and poured concrete out on people I love that you're laughing about it you're like that's hilarious <laughs> <laughs> I just love it when we make it happen I love yeah. it yeah that's so funny. That's funny. So I do want to touch on Jossie here for a minute because I know you had mentioned yes. that they're going to start talking again about having kids. So something that we have discussed or something that keeps coming up because it's something that we're, you know, it's kind of a mystery to us is that, you know, if we think about it, Gabby's going to hate being pregnant because she's Gabby. She just likes to move around at the speed of light. And <laughs> so we're not quite sure how that would play out. I mean, how would she go back to arson or how do you, have you guys imagined what like a Gabby pregnancy might be? Again, there's a million ways to do it. I, as a dad who has two kids and has been through it and a lot of our staff have children. Um, I think there's many, many interesting stories to tell. Michelle Martinez, our paramedic um, who works, you know, 24 hours comes right from there to our set um has three children um and so there's stories there that are worth telling and that can be told but i am not going to promise you that you're going to have any answers on that situation before the end of uh, the season <laughs> okay okay you know we had to ask um, yeah i don't blame to... you i don't blame you and then I'm just curious, I mean, I think our last question for the night just in terms of the finale, we didn't talk about it, but Herman's story from last week that is that, I mean, I'm assuming that's going to carry over and kind of carry some weight for him in the finale, but is, I mean, is that something we're going to see some sort of resolution to in the yes. finale? Okay. Yep, that's going to play out uh, in the finale. <clears throat> the I thought his performance, I mean, I put this on Twitter, but I thought his performance in that scene he has with Mouse in front of the mirror was just A plus um, yeah. performance. And, you know, it's too bad that shows like ours get overlooked for awards because they just think we're, you know, they think we're a network soapy show. And then you see performances like that, that should be honored. Um, and it's just so hard to break through when you have these cable shows that you're up against, but he is deserving of all the honors on that one. And uh, I will give you a little 
fun. These are, this is what I love about the job that I do. Mm-hmm. We write the scene and, you know, Dr. Jeff Dreher pinch hit for us on this episode because we, we were supposed to only do 20 episodes and then it turned out that we did 23. Um, and so we just, I was, we were all running out of gas. Dreher on, on uh, med was only going to do, they were only doing 20 episodes. So I called Andy and Diane, the showrunners over there. And I said, can we get Jeff who we've relied on throughout two or three seasons now of um, helping us with any medical stuff on our show. And mm-hmm. so I said, can we get Jeff to write an episode for us? I said, all he has to do is get the ball to the 50 yard line and we'll be thrilled. Well, he got the ball to the 90 yard line. He's such a talented writer. Uh, I want to steal him over onto the Chicago fire staff, but I know the med staff won't let us. Um, <laughs> but he, so he wrote that episode and, you know, we had, we had broken the story for him. And then he had this idea of this basketball, you know, that the, that the, the other firefighters kid played basketball. It was all came from um, Dreyer and Andrea and Gilberry working out the storyline. And they wrote that mirror scene. And then at the very end, they had Herman walking out um, at the funeral and, uh, or, or not even the funeral, just the gathering of people after the event and the kids out there shooting baskets. And they wrote it where um, he shoots the basket, uh, the kid shoots the basket, Herman grabs the ball and then um, passes it back to him. And, the, and it's, I think it was written where it said, uh, you know, he's there for him or something like that. I can't remember. And so then I'm there that day that we're shooting because I was prepping for the finale and um, we're at the garage and Joe Chappelle's directing the episode is one of our longtime directors and um, Herman, you know, he's all, uh, Eigenberg's all in the headspace um, of, you know, super sad and the kids out there shooting baskets. It's kind of cold and cloudy that matches the mood and the kid shoots the basket and Herman does as the script is, passes the ball back to him and shoots again. And so as we're watching it and they do that two or three times, I said to Joe, I said, why don't just have David hand the ball to him and see what happens. And so they, he shoots the basket, misses, Dave hands the ball to him and the kid leans into Dave and they just start hugging. And I get tears in my eyes watching a take at the monitors going, this is going to crush and so it's just, those are the magic of making a show. You don't know what you're going to get. You put two great actors and a great director, give them some space, and they'll come out with something that, to me, was probably the most moving scene of the year. Awesome. Yeah, I love that. I love the whole process of how TV gets made. That's just so fascinating. So, yeah. Yeah. And we're actually going to talk to Jeff tomorrow night. Jeff is a friend of the pot as well. So Yes, I know. He's, yeah. he's, he's been on before. Yes. Yeah, tell him I said hello and tell him he did an amazing job. Yeah, well, we will. He already yeah, knows he... it. He already knows <laughs> it. <laughs> he was on our way to being the first re- recurring guest, but then Roland Buff beat him to it. So, uh, oh. yeah, we'll get to uh, talk to him about that. But, yeah, so um, I think that's about all we've got, unless there's any last-minute details you can tease about the finale. <laughs> um, let me think of something to look for. Um Let's see. Let's see. I got to think of something to look for in the finale. That's either we don't have a lot of time for funny because there's so much being thrown at you. I will just say, like always, the last the last minute and a half are just one punch after another. So get ready. You guys are gonna be 
This is why I wanted to do this podcast before and not after. We know. You guys aren't going to want to talk to me after, <laughs> uh, after the show. And, you know, that sounds like that means there's going to be a lot of yelling when we talk, discuss it. Strap in. Yeah, strap, strap in. in. That's all. So, we'll get yeah. the wine and the tissues ready. Yeah. Get the wine, get the tissues, get the – it's – I don't know that it's – well, we'll see. I don't know that it's so much <laughs> tissues as it is just uh, what the – Okay. And then, and then oh, brought to you by Dick Wolf. Brought to you by. <laughs> yeah, what do you, you know, because I don't, Brand's not part of the show anymore, right? So who do you blame now? Uh, <laughs> um, you blame Andrea and Gilberry. It's all their okay. fault. <laughs> it's all their fault. <laughs> Always all their fault. Um, well, Derek, yeah. thank you so, so much for coming on. This was the goal from like the minute we started. We were like, when is Derek coming on? Yeah. I am so glad to do it. You guys are funny and uh, I love listening. Um, and uh, get Ashley back. We miss her. <laughs> and uh, have fun doing it and let me know. Well, I'll be listening to hear what your reactions are after yeah, Thursday. We'll, we'll or actually, nice. I'll probably see you on uh, Twitter. You will Probably definitely will. Yeah. Yes. And listeners, if you're listening, be nice to Derek on Thursday night. Be nice. <laughs> yeah, Derek, that was another one. What were uh, your mentions like during the last two-hour movie? Were your mentions just like a fire? Like, what were they? Yeah, they don't have to be nice to me. I'm, I love it. <laughs> Give me all of your frustration. Are you kidding? That's my favorite uh, part of the night. I'm, you, you have no idea how fun it is for me to sit there and laugh when people are like, Oh my God, Derek! I hate you. Oh God, it worked. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, yeah. As always, listeners, you know where to find us: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. Meet us at Molly's right across the board. Follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV. Bryna. I am at Bryna K13. Ashley is at Ashnick 095, and I see no K. Derek, we all know where to find you. Um, you can find me. Yeah. We awesome. Can find you. And uh, and one last plea. If you want, and you're sitting on the beach this summer listening to this podcast, and you want to read a thriller that I wrote called The Way I Die, pick it up at your local bookstore. <laughs> yes. yes. That's it. And it's called the trilogy, right? It's uh, actually the fifth of that series. But um, you can read it, you can read it, and then all the other ones will be prequels. Nice. Yeah. So bad that way, too. Yeah. Sure. That's funny. Well, yeah, awesome, that's guys. Right. Thank you again for having me. Of course. Thank, you, thank you so much, Derek. Bye, guys. Take care. Bye. Bye.